we're glad to see some visitors here and I pray that they feel welcome here and that they may come uh, many other times and be part of this community of faith as well. So before we, we study today, before we open up scripture to hear what God has to say for us this morning, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer as I ask the Lord's direction for this moment. Father, once again, we thank you, and once again, we come before you humbly, asking that you may give us direction, that you may lead us, Lord. May you be the one uh, presiding this worship service, that all glory be given and done to you. I also ask, Lord, that you may anoint my lips and may use me as your instrument this morning, that everything I say may be a reflection of your thoughts, of your plans, and your message for us this morning. May your word, Lord, come out uh, alive and make, help us make changes in our lives, that we may see, Lord, how much closer we need to get to you. And may we do that while we still have time and health and understanding. Bless each worshiper here. May we all be blessed by your word. It is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So in the text we read today, there are some things that I would like to, I would like to highlight. Uh, the text says, and uh, thanks Lara for reading that, and I'd like to encourage you to join me as we read the text again. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't have the text there, so I'd like to ask you to open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible uh, on you, there is a, you can get a pew Bible there. And we'll read together Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through to 15. And this is the Apostle Paul talking. And in fact, we're going to study this text in the Sabbath school in just a few weeks or just a few days ahead. But let's read together Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through to 15. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's start again and give everyone a chance to find it. If we all have found it, let's read together. That you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. But the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. But there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they all believe in him? of whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach unless they are sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things praise the lord for that so there are a few things i'd like to highlight here in verse 9 through 11 you see that the apostle says whoever believes Whoever confesses, so there is a, a generalized statement there, whoever believes, whoever confesses. 
In verse 12, we see that there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, and that the Lord is rich upon all who call him. He is rich to all who call upon him. And in verse 13, we also see that whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you notice that there is something that Paul is emphasizing there. He's saying whoever, 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 there is no distinction between one nation and the other, between one people and the other. And whoever calls the name of the Lord shall be saved. So would it be fair, would it be right according to scripture to say that this offer of salvation has been made to anyone on this planet earth. Is that a fair statement? Anyone. So does that include, include people from all cultures? Yes, it includes people from all cultures. Does that include people from all ethnicities? Yes. From all continents? I think so. It says whoever. From all countries of origin? I believe so. It says whoever. And from, peoples from uh, people from all religions. And even people who have no religion at all. Is salvation also being offered to them? Yes, I believe that's what the Bible is saying here. And so those are all included. Any and every human being is included in this offer. In this provision of salvation that Christ has made. And in verse 12, there are two groups that are mentioned here. The Jews and the Greeks. There is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the Lord, the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon Him. And Paul is mentioning two groups here. And our understanding is that this actually goes beyond uh, simply national uh, identification or national barriers. Because the Jews... When you talk about the Jews in the Bible, it's not only the nation of Israel, but there is also the meaning of all the religion that they had. So everything that was religious in regard to the people of Israel was part of the Jewish culture. And the same, in the same way, the Greeks are mentioned not only as a nation, as a people, but uh, the Greeks did not practice originally the religion of the Jews. Some converted to Judaism, some converted to Christianity. And so when Paul is saying there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, he's also saying that there is no distinction between people from one religion or the other religion. They have all been offered the gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? That's what the Bible is saying. Now keep that in mind. And I'm sorry for the, the noise we get from time to time. Uh, it's beyond our control, right, Eugene? And so we'll have to live with that for today at least. So thinking of that, keeping that in mind, keeping that the offer of salvation has been made to every single human being that has ever lived since Adam and will ever live until the coming of Jesus. Let's look at these numbers here. And I think this, the, the print is not too big, but we may be able to see. Now, in 2010, remember that according to the United Nations, uh, let's see if anyone can remember, according to the United Nations, wh when was it that the world's population reached 7 billion? Do you remember which year was that? It was 11. Well, it had to be after 2010, if you were paying attention there. So it was in 2011. So this was just before 
the population would have turned 7 billion. And according to this uh, research, uh, Christians in 2010 uh, numbered 2.3 billion in the world, which represented at the time 33.2% of the world's population. Muslims were 1.55, 1.5 billion in number at the time, which represented 22.4%. The Hindus were 948, almost 1 billion, 948 million uh, Hindus, which represented 13.7%. Buddhists, 468 uh, million, which represented 6.8%. And other religions were at 1.65 billion people, representing 23.9% of the world's population. So in other words, uh, in other words, sorry, Christians represented at the time, and that's still not too far from reality today. Uh, world religions have grown. Uh, more people have converted to uh, Islam. But in other words, we could say that Christians represent 33% of the world's population, uh, Muslims 22.4, Hindus 13.7, and Buddhists 6.8 which means that Christians at 33.2% are just about one-third of the world's population. Does that make sense? Those who go to school still, 33% would be one-third, right? While non-Christians would represent 66.8% or two-thirds of the world's population. Now, when we think about this, how do we react to that? Now, people have different views on that. People believe, some people believe, I wouldn't say people in general, but some people believe that, well, Christians are one-third of the world's population and non-Christians, two-thirds. Some believe that none of the unevangelized, un un sorry, none of the unevangelized will be saved. In other words, none of the non-Christians will be saved. That's what some people believe. So only those who are Christians will be saved and none of the others. Other people believe that all of the unevangelized will be saved in various different ways. And still other people believe that some unevangelized will be saved, will potentially be saved through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, this is an open question just for you to think, but if I were to ask you, according to what we just read, according to what Paul just says here in Romans chapter 10, which of the three propositions would be more biblical? Would it be biblical to say that none of the unevangelized will be saved, or all of them will be saved in different ways, or some of them will be saved through Jesus Christ? I believe that the one that seems more biblical is number three, that some of those who have not been reached by the gospel will be saved and can be saved, but only through Jesus Christ. So I believe that this is more consistent with the overall teaching of the Bible. Uh, a Christian author, Gordon Doss, he wrote at some point, Salvation is potentially available to all humans. 
including those who through no fault of their own uh, lack specific knowledge of Christ and are thus unable to explicitly accept the gospel. So what this person is saying is uh, the offer of salvation has been made to everyone. Some people will never in their lifetime be preached the gospel. Some people will never in their lifetime even hear about Jesus. But God is working in such a way that they may be aware of His grace somehow. And so even though they lack specific knowledge about Christ, due to no fault on their own, they still have the opportunity to be saved. And even though they have not explicitly accepted the gospel. Now, this is what someone wrote. What does the Bible say about that? Is that consistent with what the Bible is saying? The Bible says in John chapter 1, when John is saying that the Word in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word is the light. John says it is, He is the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. And so in one way or, or, or another, the light of Jesus is able to reach every single man, every single woman, every single person coming into the world. Now how much of the light they will get, or how much understanding they will get, that's another question. But Jesus is making sure that the light will come to every person in one way or another. Now this light, if this light is heated, it will guide their feet toward the Lord, toward salvation. The Bible also says in Acts chapter 14, verses 16 through to 17. In past generations, this is Paul speaking. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. By the way, this Paul, is, Paul was saying when he was preaching. And the people of the city where he and Silas were, they, they were so impressed with what they said that they came to offer sacrifices for them. They believed that Silas was the incarnation of Zeus and Paul was the incarnation of Hermes. And they came to offer sacrifices and Paul said, don't do that. We are simply men just like you. Now you're, you're used to worshiping idols. But let me tell you one thing. In the past, the Lord allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. But yet, He did not leave Himself without witness. For He did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. And so, the Lord is always providing a way to make His love and His goodness known to people all around the world. And even though some people may have uh, worshipped idols, or some people worship the sun, or whatever, the Lord is always trying to impress them with His love and with His goodness, so that He will make Himself manifest. Yet, He did not leave Himself without witness. Even if it's only through nature, but the Lord is still making Himself manifest to people. So the Holy Spirit is working constantly, constantly to bring awareness of people to the love of Christ. And some might be tempted to think, well then pastor, if two-thirds of the world's population is not Christian, 
If two-thirds have not heard of Jesus yet, have not accepted Jesus at least, I can't say that they never, uh, all of them never heard of Jesus, but they have not accepted. And we saw that God is working in mysterious ways to make His love known to them. Why then bother to go preach the gospel? So let the Holy Spirit work. Well, so why should we then bother preaching the gospel? Why should we bother sharing the gospel with people who have not accepted Him yet? First, because even though we are convinced that yes, the Holy Spirit is working, we don't know, we simply don't know who will respond and who will not. We don't know who will accept and who will not. And not only that, we might be tempted to speculate while the Lord is working and so those who will be saved will be saved. Well, we, we should not be speculating and trying to figure out how many of those two-thirds will be saved by the direct action of the Holy Spirit. One thing I know is that the Bible tells us in Matthew 28, 19 that we should go and make disciples of all nations. Isn't that what the Bible says? Not here, but the Bible says we should go and make disciples of all nations. And so it is, it is upon us this responsibility of going and preaching the gospel. Now when we talk that some of the unevangelized will be saved through Jesus Christ, this is absolutely consistent with Paul's message here in the second part of our scripture reading today. So I want to invite you to join me here again, beginning in verse 10, beginning in verse 12 in chapter 10 of Romans. Paul is saying that there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. There is no distinction between them. For the same Lord is rich to all of them. So there is no distinction. The Lord is rich toward all who call upon Him. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. So the offer is for everyone. But how will they call on someone? How will they call on Him whom they have never believed? And how will they believe if they have never heard of Him? Right? And so someone needs to do that. And how will they hear if nobody is sent to preach to them? And how will anyone preach if they are not sent to preach? So how can we do this? I want to, I want to bring to you two answers to those questions. And I want you to, to take that home as uh, the two lessons that we can learn from this and from everything we're reading here in this text. There are two things that we can do when we think about peoples in different nations who have different religions, who have not an awareness of the gospel, who have never accepted Jesus. We believe, to begin with, we believe that salvation comes only through Christ, right? Even if someone gets to heaven without being preached the gospel, as we saw before, that's a possibility. But they will be saved by Jesus Christ. It will have been by Jesus Christ only. And they may get to heaven not even knowing anything about the story of Jesus, but there they will see the marks, the wounds in the hands of Jesus, and they will be intrigued by that. And everyone worshiping the Lord, and they'll hear the story of salvation. 
and they will be reassured that their passport to heaven was guaranteed by the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. That's what God says. So how can we reach out to those people? There are two ways we can do that. One is, when we think that only 33% of the world's population is Christian, we realize that there is still a great work to be done. There is still a lot to be done. Every Sabbath when you come to church, every Sabbath school you hear stories from the mission field, just like today you heard. You heard the story today from, uh, from Russia or from Ukraine. Is that right? From Ukraine? From the Ukraine? Yes. Uh, we may have forgotten that already, but every Sabbath, every Sabbath in Sabbath school there is a story. Now those stories are not brought just to, to amuse you, just to entertain you. They're brought to you to show you that the, the church is engaged in mission work. The church is engaged in that. And the missionaries go all around the world. The church from the church, the Seventh-day Adventist church uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C. Missionaries are trained there. They go to places that we cannot go. They speak languages that you and I do not speak. They receive cross-cultural training. And it's a costly endeavor, but the church is faithful to the mission of preaching to peoples of all nations. Right now, more than 2,500 missionaries are being maintained by the church all across the world. And they go to different cultures and they receive training, as I said. And they embark on mid and long term mission. Now I tell you, when I was working with It Is Written, I, th I said this before, but I went to the Philippines twice on mission trips. And I do see value in that, so much so that I did that. But I tell you, the work that the church, as a global church does, to prepare missionaries and to send them to stay there, because we were in the Philippines for 10 days each time. But the church sends missionaries to be there for years working uh, with the community. And that's a costly endeavor, as you, might, as you may imagine. And the church needs resources. So one of the ways we can, we can preach the gospel in the mission field is by sending our offerings, is by supporting the work of missionaries. Every Sabbath in Sabbath school, when you hear, when you hear the appeal made, when you hear the stories, let's think about it, let's be liberal, let's be generous, because people are going, enduring difficulties there in the mission field. Right? There are families that go and they have young children and they are placed in a different setting, in a different culture, and they go there to preach the gospel. Since 1990, since 1990, pioneers, missionaries have established more than 11,000 new congregations around the world, just in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And so you and I are called to support this work. You and I may not be able to go places, but we can support them with our generosity, with our offerings. So let's keep that in mind. That's the first lesson we learned from this. We do have the obligation to preach. And the Lord calls us to support those missionaries who, who are brave enough, who are bold enough to accept the calling of the Lord to go to a distant place and preach the gospel to those cultures, to those nations. But there is another thing you and I can do to uh, fulfill the mission that we have to go teach and preach to peoples from all nations. 
is that over the years, particularly in the last 50 or maybe 60, 70 years, the world has come to North America. And so today, you go to any major city in North America, and even here in Belleville, and you'll be able to meet people that have come from all over the planet. And you'll find people who have come from the Far East. You have people who have come from the Middle East. You have people coming from South America, from Africa, from Europe. All of them have come and have made North America their home. And Canada particularly is a place where we have many immigrants. In, in, right in your community, and like I said, even here in Belleville, I'm sure that you have at least one acquaintance. You have at least seen one person that have come from a, from a country uh, distant from here. Or maybe people who were born here to parents who immigrated to here not too long ago. That, there has been massive migration over the last century across the continents. So right where you live, you can be a witness for the gospel. You can talk and you can preach to people from different cultures and from different, from different religions. Just want to make sure everyone is with me. But it was not intentional, I should say that. And so right where you live, you can do your missionary work right there. And if you want to know how to approach someone from a different religion, well, the church has many resources in regard to that. And I can share some of those resources with you. But one thing you can do, and that's the very first thing, and you don't need resources for that. But the very first thing is that you should make friends with them. You should make friends with people. If you want to, to share something with someone, you, you must be friends with them to begin with. And so that's one challenge that you and I have as Christians. That's one challenge that we, you and I have as Seventh-day Adventists. That's one challenge that you and I have in the communities we have been placed in. That we need to make friends with people. How likely is that someone will come to church if you see them for the first time and you tell them, you've got to come to church? Well, that could happen. The Holy Spirit can prompt the person. The Holy Spirit can put someone along your way that is looking for a church to come. And you are sent to talk to that person. But in general, in general, people will listen to you if they trust you at least a little bit. And so we need to make friends. We need to have friends outside of our circle here. We need to make friends so they can trust us. And so this is, this is our message. This is our appeal for us this morning. That the Lord has asked us. The Lord has told us to go teach and make disciples of all nations. And then after doing that, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. But we can do that in two ways. One, by supporting the missionaries that are out there in the field. And I know that many people today, like, like I did with It Is Written, other organizations send people in very short-term mission trips of two weeks, or, or three weeks, or ten days. And that is valid. That helps the communities. But the church needs to do more. And that's something that the church has been doing. When I talked about the mission stories here, uh, I think most of us were not even uh, sure of what had been 
told this morning what the story was about. And many people for some time thought that the, the mission work of the church had even died. The church was no longer sending missionaries. But the church is still doing that. And that's a very important part of our mission as Seventh-day Adventists. And so let's support our missionaries generously. But let's also share the gospel with, uh, with people from other religions who have come to live here in our midst. Have come to live here in North America. And in fact what the church does is that when some of these people come and they, they belong to non-Christian religions and when they accept the gospel they are then sent back to their places of origin so that they can share with the people uh, there, people who know them, people who trust them maybe uh, easier or faster than if some foreigner would be coming. And so let's keep that in mind. But I have something else to say because those are the two lessons we can learn this morning. But I have something else to say. Is that the Lord, the Lord is calling all of us to serve Him. The Lord is calling each and every one of us to do the work that He has entrusted His church with. Now angels could do this work. The Lord could have done it Himself. Jesus could have extended his life here for many years if he wanted to. But the Lord came to give us an example. And now he says, go ye therefore and preach. Go ye therefore and teach. And so I need, to, I need to make an appeal here this morning. Because I know that some people have been reached by the gospel. Some people have been impacted by it. Some people have been blessed by the gospel. And that's why... Jesus gave his life so that we could live a life that is new. We could live in newness of life. Just this morning, earlier today, we studied what does the Christian life look like? Look like? Why do we say that Christians live a new life when we're still sinners and struggling with sin? It's because we have hope and we have the Holy Spirit working with us, prompting us to do what the Lord asks us to do. So I'd like to ask here this morning, who would like to be willing, would like to be willing to join forces, to preach the gospel right here where we are, right here where we have been placed, right here in Belleville. And if that's your desire, to find ways, to find new ways where you can reach out to people, right? And we may have to step to go uh, to get outside of the box that we may think is the only way we should be doing things. We've been doing evangelism in this church. We've held evangelistic series over the years. And people have come to the knowledge of the gospel. But there is still two-thirds of the world's population that needs to be reached. And so if it's your desire to join forces, if it's your desire to say, Lord, here I am, I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to reach out to other people. I'll ask you to stand. I'll ask you to stand and then I'll pray. I'll offer a prayer. Don't just stand because everyone is. Everyone else is standing. But stand if you really want to take this commitment. And take it to the next level. That uh, through the end of this year and in the upcoming year. We'll be looking forward. We're looking for ways and different ways to reach out to people that still need to be reached. I also would like to appeal to anyone who may be 
still needs to make a decision for Christ that is in our midst. If you haven't made a decision yet, if you want to join the family of God, I would like to ask you to stand as well. You would not be baptized today. Uh, not necessarily. If you really want, we can baptize you today. But we, we, we would like to appeal that we make a decision for Christ, that we make this commitment. That when Jesus comes, we'll look at him and say, this is the Lord we've been waiting for, we've been looking forward to. And that will be part of God's people. The Bible says, everyone who believes will be saved. As we read this morning. But the Bible also says, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And so, being baptized is also part of God's requirements that we may be part of his people. And so, if this is your desire, I'd like to ask you to stand as I pray for you as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, because your word calls us to action. Your word calls us, Lord, not to be in our comfort zone, but to leave those things that may seem comfortable to us and be willing, Lord, to stand up for you and to reach out to people who are still to hear of the gospel. And so this morning, Lord, as we have stood up here, I ask humbly that you may empower us, that you may give us, Lord, the encouragement and the strength that we need to go out and reach to people, not only to support the missionaries out in the field with our resources and be willing to do that as part of our mission, but also, Lord, to share with those who are right here around us, people who have not recognized Jesus yet as their only Savior, Savior. That we may be empowered, Lord, to do that. And I also ask, Lord, humbly, for those who are here in our midst, who are in the valley of decision, we're still perhaps struggling whether or not, Lord, to accept you and to be baptized and become a part of your people. I ask, Father, that you may strengthen these people and honor their decision, Lord, and help them make a decision if that's the case. So that they also may see in the words of Jesus. May see the words of Jesus fulfilled in their lives. That whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. May this be our reality here today and tomorrow. And help us as we move forward. And prepare people to meet with you when Jesus comes. I ask you in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.